Board Game Famous, the board gaming podcast that's two hosts short of the ideal player count. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael. Howdy, howdy. We start, as always, with, hey, what you been playing? So I want to know the answer to that question, Michael. What have you been playing? Well, it's been a little bit since we've recorded, and I've played a handful of games. Some that I've played before, some that I haven't, some uh, that's been a while since I've played. Uh, but, you know, the ones that I want to talk about is, you know, I played Exodus, Paris Nouveau for the first time in a long time. Uh, that's published by Indie Boards and Cards, released in 2018. It's a, it's a pretty nice hidden role kind of game where you're either part of the Resistance who's trying to escape and or you're either part of the Hunters and nobody from nobody at the table knows the faction of any of the other players and you you've got these cards that you're passing out and you got a leader who selects one and you're trying to if you're part of the resistance you're trying to get them to run away from the hunters and if you're the hunters you're trying to be able to catch up to the resistance and it's played over seven rounds and it's quite easy to hide who you are in like sabotage uh, certain situations it was a lot of fun so that's a that's another mafia style game yeah, yeah, another mafia style game. Uh, and, you know, then I played uh, Mysterium. We had someone who has always played as a psychic detective, uh, but he wanted to be the ghost for the first time. And so in this game, it's cooperative, and you have one person who's this ghost who has been killed, and he's trying to pass out these vague clues to all these psychic detectives to figure out uh, who the suspect is and the place and the and the murder weapon with these vague uh, clue cards that are kind of like Dixit, if you've ever played Dixit in the design of, you know, very fantastical designs on these cards. Yeah, that uh, company likes to produce games that uh, all use these strange uh, strange art, esoteric, and they've. I'm surprised at the amount of game systems they've come up with that function off of just this strange, goofy artwork. I want to know which artists they hire for these kinds of things <laughs> to consistently, because with the expansions, I think Mysterium has close to a hundred or more of those cards, of these abstract uh, card clue cards, which I think is crazy. Then I played, I have played this game for the before, but I played it with an expansion for the first time, and that's uh, Evolution from North Star Games. I played it with the flight expansion for the first time. Uh, I think, I think that expansion made the game much better. Uh, I think Evolution is a pretty good game in terms of. Do you know the kinds of mechanics that would describe it? Not really. It's upgrading your an your animals, playing cards. Yeah. It's not really drafting, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time drafting. since I've played Evolution. I'm just going to see what BGG says. Do, do, do. Basically, you've got cards in your hands that help evolve the creatures that are in your in your tableau. And those cards are either the resource to be able to play other cards. And so, yeah, the cards are resources. So if you want to evolve something, then you have to spin the card, a different card, to be able to play it. That one was pretty good. I enjoyed the flight expansion. Adds what, is, what does it add? It adds flying animals, which require to eat more food, but they're harder to kill because they're flying. And so it kind of adds another dimension of you have, it's harder to feed them, 
but it's harder to kill them. And I think that's pretty fun. Okay. Uh, You can come up with crazy combos, which evolutionarily speaking, do not make sense. Uh, (laughs) The defensive cards from the base game is hard shell. And if you play that on your creature, it makes it a lot harder to attack. Uh, you can play hard shell on a on a flying creature, and you just imagine a bird with like a turtle shell. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, but it works. It's kind of hilarious. I like to think that it's uh, like a turtle, like an eagle swoop down to eat, and to eat them they drop the turtles on rocks. But just one day, that turtle spread its turtle legs and flew. Yeah, so I think that was a lot of fun. A game that I played that's uh, brand new that I didn't necessarily enjoy was Fly Away. From uh, uh, Playlog Creations. Uh, that came out this year. Uh, I think it is... The best way to describe it is Ticket to Ride crossed with Wingspan. I think is the best way to describe it. You are creating migratory bird paths in Eastern Asia. from All the way from Australia all the way up to uh, Eastern Russia area. Beautiful art direction. A lot of, a lot of things they did right. I just think it was too luck based. For the kinds of me- mechanics that they're trying out so you could be doing everything right and then nothing goes your way how, how is it luck based like are you drawing are you trying to draw all the resources from a deck or so there's there's a couple of things every turn you draw these action cards and after you draw the action cards you draw a bad thing that happens because we are impacting it, it has social commentary on the climate you know, with building cities, destroying habitat, and all that kind of stuff. So after your turn, after you draw the action cards, you get this bad card, and you can negate that bad card with uh, squawk cards. Those are one of the action cards. I never got any. <laughs> so so and, every bad card just, like, smashed into you? Exactly. <laughs> and the most powerful action cards allow you to build a longer train of birds. So the best combo in the game is to be able to get the action cards that allow you to build a longer migratory chain Mm -hmm. and then be able to get the squat cards from preventing other bad things to happen. Because bad things are going to happen to you, but being able to negate that and build longer chains is the most important thing. There are like three birds that you can capture that are out at it all the time. And to get those cards, you have to create a link between the southernmost point and the northernmost point using anyone's chain. Yeah, so any segment, as long as it's continuous. And uh, uh, some of those cards are very helpful in terms of being able to prevent bad stuff, too. So basically, I got my first bird. Then I got screwed by some of the bad things that happened. Then I got a bad thing that happened that made me lose my one bird that I had. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, so there's, like, the whole point about it is to get, like, capture these birds. And it was, it was too Mm luck-based. But it's fine. One of those games you're not going to, you don't need to play again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so David, what have you been playing? Well, I wanted to highlight three games that I've gotten to play recently. Uh, The first being Anachrony by Mind Clash Games. This is a game that has barely survived culling from my collection. I really, really enjoy it. It's a worker placement time travel game, but uh, I haven't had a chance to play it in the last two years, so it's really been sitting on my shelf collecting dust, and I, I try and keep a clean clean collection, so if I don't play it, I sell it. So this one's just barely survived because of how much I liked it, and I finally got it to the table, 
But I got it to the table as a solo game. Ellen's been uh, traveling a lot lately, so I've gotten a chance to try more solo games. That play reminded me how why I love Anachrony, because it's just a tight worker placement game. But it also reminded me why I hate solo games. It's a lot of work to play by myself. What were the uh, difficulties for you to be able to get it to the table in the first place? Uh, it's a very large game, both in amounts of table space, but also in box size. So it doesn't fit on my board game shelf, and I've got it away in a closet, so sometimes I forget about it. It is a more complex game, so it's not something that I can get Ellen to play every uh, very often. Not that she can't handle it, she just likes a little bit less difficulty games. Um, whereas I like the style of game where you're thinking so hard about everything that's happening on your turn, something's going to fall through the cracks, and that fits uh, that fits anachrony to the T. It's a game where you can't worry about what other people are doing because you have so much going on yourself that you're going to block somebody on accident. And no hard feelings. And no hard feelings, because they're going to do it to you later. And it's just gonna—it's just not going to be on purpose. Everybody's fighting for very limited resources, and that's something I really enjoy. But a lot of the people in my gaming group don't like it. It takes a few hours to play as well. So, Is this, pro- is this the biggest, heaviest solo game that you've ever played? Oh, yes, by a long shot. But I had heard great things about the solo mode and i can see uh solo players liking it it's just not for me it's just not a not a solo mode that i'll i'll be going back to anytime soon which is a shame because that might mean that uh, anachrony doesn't stay in my collection for much longer i recently also got to play twilight imperium fourth edition from fantasy flight games it is a long epic space opera experience takes it usually takes us about six hours to play, but this was by far the longest it's ever been. It took us about ten hours to get it done, and it resulted in my second victory in the game. I get to play this about twice a year, ever since it came out in, I think, 2017, so I'm sitting at about eight times playing, two times winning. That's not a bad. That's not bad at all. That's not a bad uh, split right there. We were talking about how before... How we both have had games where we've done very, very horrible, uh, you know, getting one, three points by the end of the game, and we're sitting there for hours, and yet you just want to come back for more. Oh man, it's so much fun. We always make a day of it. We went and got, uh, we went and got Didi Mao, our favorite Vietnamese restaurant nearby. Shout out to Didi Mao. It's. Uh... Yeah, it was just it was just a great time had by all, but we were all playing so well that the game lasted hours longer than it normally does. Uh, every, one of my favorite things about the game is every game has an ex- is an experience. Every game has a story to it, and the story behind this game was one of the players got control of Mechatol Rex, and they planted a PDS down on it, so they had one infantry. And one PDS on Mechatol Rex, which is just a giant space cannon to defend the planet. But they had upgraded their uh, they had upgraded their units and gotten technology upgrades that that PDS got to fire three different times when people entered the system, and also when you try and land on the planet with your troops, it got to fire three different times. So I was the person trying to take control of the middle of the galaxy, and I never did because of that one PDS. I'd send my fleet a tr- my fleet in, and it would shred my fleet in half. I would 
limp through the battle, fight off any ships he had in the airspace, and then when I would try and land troops, it would shred through my troops as I tried to land them. And then the final game I got to play was a game called Meadow by Rebel Studios. That came out this year, and it was something I was really looking forward to because it's it's a really pretty game. It's about taking a hike and just looking at beautiful scenery. It's got a mechanic similar to that of Quadropolis, where you've got a grid of cards, and you have arrow tokens that you can put around the outside of this grid, and each token has a number on it, one through four, and that tells you how far into the grid that you go to grab the card, and that's the card you get to add to your tableau. And the cards are things you find in nature. There are terrain types. Then there's observations of wildlife or landscape tiles. If you're going walk in a country garden, there's cottages. There's uh, And then there's discovery tokens that you find along the way. And you're playing these on top of each other, uh, on top of each other, because each card has a little symbol on it, and other cards have look required symbols. This has to be in your tableau in your meadow before you can play it, and you play this on top of that. And it all it all makes sense for the most part. Like you've got a little caterpillar, and on top of that you can play a butterfly card. On top of the butterfly card, you can play a spider or a flower and things like that. My favorite part of it was uh, it, it breaks down a little bit with uh, theming-wise because every discovery card is something like, you oh, this is what you found on your walk. So, for example, you could find, a, you could find this really cool-looking stick, but you need to have a tree in your meadow. Or you can find these... Uh, you can f- you can find these feathers, but you have to have birds in the meadow. Uh, there was one that was oh, you found this really cool toy, but you had to, there had to be a cottage in your meadow. Did did I just steal that toy? Did I just take that toy from these people? This is mine now. I found it on my walk. <laughs> finders keepers, finders keepers. Yeah. Them's the rules. <laughs> And just the way it, it was really silly because the way the the tableau was built out, there was one cottage. It's obvious who who this horse belongs to. Nope, mine now. But overall, you found it very very fun. Yeah, I found it really enjoyable. I was very worried at first by like when I was grabbing just opening the game because the box is a little thin, and I judge games based on the sturdiness of their box. Shoutouts to uh, Glass Road, Everdell and Alien Frontiers. Those have uh, three of the best boxes that in board games that I own. Not, not like insert-wise, just a nice, sturdy cardboard. So, David, where are you on the road to the 100? Well, like I said, Ellen's been... Ellen's been gone a lot lately, so I've been trying out more solo games. Uh, it's not something I've really done in the past, but I've had some time to myself. I wanted to play some. I wanted to try it out, see what the buzz is about. So I finally got to the table, Arkham Horror: The Card Game, which is also by Fantasy Flight Games. It's one of their it's one of their bigger lines. They've rebooted it a couple of times. There's a bajillion expansions, and it's a very thematic card game set in the Cthulhu universe where you've got a deck of cards and you need to fine-tune your deck of cards to face the, the eldritch monsters that you're going to be uh, fighting in, the, in whatever scenario they have set up in front of you. Uh, I've, I had the ba- I've had the base set for a while, just it's a little bit too dark thematic-wise for Ellen. 
who is much more into the themes than I am. So she never really wanted to play with me. So I got it to the table while she was gone. The first two-thirds, like the first two acts in the box, were incredible. Like I had so much fun with them. And I was actually even getting into the theme and being really stupid by myself and miming out the stuff that I was doing. Like, oh, I shot that ghoul. Brat, brat. <laughs> but, uh, and then I got to the third act. And I had heard that this game was difficult. The third act, I don't know if it was the way my character was set up. But I only had the experience to buy, like, one or two cards by the time I got to the third act. And I just was a smackdown. It just beat me down incredibly hard. I tried it, like, three different times, which you're not supposed to do. Because the game says, oh, your character dies? Oh, just create a new character and move on. Which is not something I've always been huge on. I don't like, like, I don't really play role-playing games. That might have a little bit of an effect on it. So, this, it just... It just wasn't for me. It was a tough co-op that I played by myself. It was just too hard to the point where I was like, there, there's no point in playing this. It's not fun. So I actually uh, ended up selling it. That's fair. I think a lot of the horror games, the horror series, if you will, from Fantasy Flight games are pretty hard. I know people who enjoy that kind of thing, trying scenarios over and over and over again until they finally get it to work. It, it works. It's a, it's a functional game. And the storytelling's pretty good. That last scenario, the big baddie, or not even the big baddie, some of the big baddie's minions showed up and just smacked me down hard. I think it's a game for a certain kind of person. I'm too much of a Care Bear. I'm not that confrontational, so it's not for me. So you got any games that you're just looking forward to play here soon? So the game that I'm looking forward most to playing right now is... uh, it's called Juicy Fruits from Capstone Games. Have you heard about that one? I have not. Please tell me more. It, it just came out recently, and it might be a little bit little bit under the level of games that you, your group plays, so that probably probably why you might not have uh, seen it at your group. It's a tile sliding game. You ever did you ever play that like that 15 number sliding puzzle? Trying yeah. to get the, yeah, it's, it's like that where you've got a board, but instead of you've got your board but not every spot is filled and you've got baskets of fruit on them and the however far you slide a basket is how many of that fruit you get from the supply and then you use them to to fill orders on boats and then put ice cream stands on your on your island it looks it looks cute it looks unique because i've never seen a game do that before and it looks fun it's bright and colorful and it promises a good time based on the box cover on the opposite end of the spectrum, the board game that I'm most looking forward to playing is Diplomacy. Ooh. Uh, like you said, my game group tries to play a heavier game. Every once in a while, we'll play Twilight Imperium. Uh, we'll play other games, but uh, we're trying to get together and play Diplomacy next month. So I'm pretty excited about that. We're working on getting the total seven-player count. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Diplomacy is, it's uh, from Avalon Hill. This game is... It's a long affair about intrigue, war, and diplomacy. <laughs> uh, where you guys play different nations and you're vying in the political sphere for control of the board and to put yourself in a better con- condition. Uh, there are various ways that this game can be played. Uh, we're going to be doing it on a single day affair, but I've definitely heard of people 
playing it over a long period of time where one week, one real week equals one turn and everyone is allowed to text each other that way you can make deals behind each other's back and then by a certain point you have to submit your move and that kind of thing and then you move and then everyone's get updated on the board condition and so on and so forth but it's a it's a you know it's a political intrigue kind of game that can be played over a long time so i'm really uh, excited to play it some of the people i'm playing with have played it before so i'm ready to get my butt kicked but i'm really excited uh, we have not chosen our nations yet. I think we're waiting to get the full seven-player count before we do so. Uh, but we've <laughs> joked about wearing silly hats representing our country uh, <laughs> to play the game. So we'll see. We'll see. But I'm really looking forward to playing it. And that brings us to Game of the Fortnite, the segment where we like to highlight one game to stand above all the others. The game of the Fortnite is Root by Leader Games. Designed by, and I hope I'm not butchering your name horribly, Cole Weary, and the artist is Kyle Farron. I first played Root in 2019, I think. You want to describe what kind of game it is before you talk about your experience? I would love to, but it's such a highly asymmetric game. How do you describe that game? (laughs) So Root is, you know, an area control game set in the woods where you play different animal factions trying to control the woods. In the base game, you have these birds, the... The Eerie. Yes, the Marquis de Cats. You have the Woodland Alliance, and then you have the Raccoon Bandit. Yes. And so the cats, they are, for lack of a better term, they are the empire of the woods. They start out with a lot of area that they already control. Then you have the Resistance. Uh, That's your Woodland Alliance, and they are springing up and popping up all over the place. Then you have the Eerie, who start in one small area, and they're powerfully pushing out across the map. Uh, And then you have the Vagabond, the Raccoon, who just pops up and does his own thing. He's technically not playing the area control game, but uh, he is playing. He's just trading and profiting off of war. (laughs) Exactly. It's an asymmetric area control game with uh, cute woodland creatures fighting in the woods. (laughs) Yeah, all the pieces are so adorable. You just want them to get along. (laughs) I first played it in 2019. It was a three-player game that I got to play at Geekway. And my friend Aaron immediately bought it. So I've I've had a chance to play every single character in the base game a couple of times to the point where I think I've actually played by the correct rules at least once at this point. And I say that because every character plays so different. It's it's hard to wrap your head around one character and then you look up from the board and go, I'm sorry, what are you doing? How are you doing that? Because everybody's playing their own mini game. And it's just, there's a lot of rules in this game, but it all comes together in a worthwhile experience. It is fairly challenging to learn because that rule book does nobody any favors, but uh, muddling through it, several times i've i've had a really enjoyable experience with it and i think i think one of the important things of not only do you have to muddle through the rules because it is asymmetric you really need to understand what the other factions have to do to win and this... so not only do you have to understand your faction you have to understand how you can defeat the other factions like why are the marquee de cats building all these structures all over the place what does that get them i don't understand what the hell they're doing all that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. oh, what's the alliance? Why the hell are they popping up right here? What's going on? How do they suddenly just take over this clearing? 
Yeah, this is one of those games where I did not focus on winning at first. It was one of those where I just focused on learning the mechanics of this one this one creature. This I was playing as the Vagabond. So I was just trying to learn the mechanics of that. And then the next time I played, I didn't play as the Vagabond. I could, one, help the other person who was playing the Vagabond. I go, oh, this is how you do that, this is how you do that. But I understood... Their end, their end goal. So this is definitely a game that uh, warrants repeat plays before you uh, really start to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's come out with a couple of expansions. The only one I've played is River Folk. It adds, I think, some different Vagabond characters that you can play as, as well as two new factions. One being these otters who ride up and down the river trading, which can help give your faction an advantage with the resources that you gather. Uh, they are a bunch of re- religious fanatics and emphasis on the fanatics because their pawns are a resource. So whenever they get killed, those uh, pieces on the board, instead of being put to the pool for recruitment, those get put on their board as a resource for all kinds of religious fanatic things that they want to do. And that's pretty fun. I think it definitely adds a lot to the game. I haven't played the Underworld expansion yet, but I'm hoping to sometime soon. I haven't had a chance to play either of the expansions. I think it's great with just the base game. There's a lot to explore there. I I do think it's uh, great with the base game. My only thing is I would not play it with max player count with the expansions. Max four players. (laughs) With the expansions, you could theoretically play it with more. I think that the Woodland Alliance has one of my favorite moments in, in board games where I was playing as the Woodland Alliance, and they're one of the more difficult factions to play. Like Michael was saying, once uh, they start popping up throughout all of the forest, the uh, the other factions have to stamp out the uh, seeds of rebellion as soon as it starts, or the Woodland Alliance might run away with it. And I had never played the Woodland Alliance before, so I'm putting my tokens out to try and raise the seeds of rebellion, and everybody's coming around and stomping out my tokens, removing them from the board. And I really got into that mentality of, why are they why are they ganging up on me? Why are they attacking me? And it was an interesting realization of how the game and how that faction specifically was designed to make the make the player feel repressed and really want to rise up against every other faction. And it was just an, an incredible realization that I mean, I tip my hat to the designer for making me feel that way in a board game just like really trying to push this is your role i don't normally get into the theme but he made me feel like a repressed woodland creature did you end up having some successes as the woodland alliance i did because as uh if somebody removes a token from your board you gain sympathy from the uh from the other creatures in the woods so you have to you get cards which is another major resource in the game added to your added to your pile and as people start stamping out your tokens more and more, you get more and more sympathy, and you can start exploding outward like that. And it's just, it was it was very fun to to play through that character. And I'd like to I'd like to try the Woodland Alliance again. I think you would really uh, enjoy the Lizard Cult. Yeah, based on your description, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the Lizard Cult kind of feels like the sparrows from the Game of Thrones series. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only problem is the person who bought the game doesn't believe in expansions like I do. So I don't think he owns a single expansion to any of his board games. When's his birthday? <laughs> it, oh, was, 
<laughs> it was in April. It might have to be a Christmas gift. <laughs> this is where I like to introduce a new segment, the Board Game Famous Gold Star Award, where we where we award games that we think deserve all the attention and praise and whatnot. So, Michael, do you think Root is worthy of the Board Game Famous Gold Star? Yes, I, I do think that Root is worthy of the Board Game Famous Gold Star. Uh, I've played it many times, and w- even when I lose, I enjoy playing it, just because of the interesting moments that uh, happen in the game. When I win, I feel like it's been a uh, fun struggle to get there, where I've had to do, uh, do fun political maneuvering and good action and all that kind of stuff. And it might be one of my more favorite area control games. Do you give it the gold star? The board game famous gold star? I also give it the board game famous gold star. Board game famous gold star. Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree 100% with everything you've said. I'm not a huge fan of area control games, but Root makes it into a fun, interesting gameplay. And it's with each faction being unique, there's a lot of game in that box that you can sit down, play one faction over and over, and once you've mastered this faction, just rotate rotate your spot in the table. Find out what it's like playing as a different faction. This uh, So Root has earned the highest award that we can offer. The double gold star. <laughs> Congratulations, Root. You got the first double gold star. <laughs> Now on to Brother Banter. In this fortnight, I'd like to talk about Deluxe Editions. Getting the fanciest bits you can for your board games. Alright, I'm just going to come out of the gate and say that I love Deluxe Editions. Quality components just make games feel good. I love the metal coins and the specialty resources from Scythe. I love like the special components in all kinds of games. The thing I don't necessarily like about Deluxe Editions is they're often uh, limited quantity where you can only get them. Deluxe Editions also being equated with the Collector's Edition, where you have to get it from a special Kickstarter, because I don't Kickstart a lot of games, or they're a limited run, hence the Collector's, uh, collector's Edition. I understand why they do that, but in general, I like board games with good components, and if there's a board game that I like, I want the best version of it. I also like Deluxe Editions. I was talking about Anachrony earlier on. Uh, I did back that on Kickstarter. That's one of the few games I have gotten from Kickstarter. I did end up getting the Deluxe Edition, and it comes with giant plastic mechs for each faction in that game. And they add nothing to the gameplay, but they just feel so good in your hand, and they look so cool on the table. What is the favorite uh, Deluxe Edition game that you've ever played? Or just favorite deluxe edition? I honestly haven't played too many deluxe editions of games. Mostly because I'm I'm a cautious buyer. And I don't typically buy deluxe editions. One of the reasons I like deluxe editions is I like the option of having that premium choice for people. But I sometimes will go for the cheaper option just to try it out. And then I will buy the upgrades later. Which is what I did for Everdell. So I didn't know if I would like it or not. Um, I missed out on the Kickstarter. So I bought it. I bought the retail edition. And I've gotten most of the Kickstarter exclusive deluxe editions later on throughout the, throughout the life of the game. 
even though I don't play this game a lot, I think one of my favorite you know, deluxe collectors anniversary edition is the Ticket to Ride anniversary edition where the train cars are personalized. They're not just the same piece, but different color, but they're all different, unique pieces. And th those felt like really nice. And so, like you said, you don't have to get that to be able to play the game, but it is an option out there if you want to have com premium components. And that one just feels really nice. I don't like deluxe editions that include more content because that's not fair. Um, and exactly. and then I also don't like I don't like it if a game is only released in a deluxe edition, as was the case with um, Eagle Griffin's reprinting of Rococo. the The only version you could buy of that was the deluxe edition, and I think that ran you about a hundred dollars for what was originally a 40 to $50 board game. And based on, based on how it looks, you're getting your money's worth there, but I've always been a try-before-you-buy kind of person, and that just makes the barrier to entry a lot harder for me. Yeah, board games are already kind of expensive, mm -hmm. which is why I agree with you that, uh, yes, I love premium components, but premium components are not necessary for you to enjoy a game. Right. If you're only releasing it with the most fanciest of plastic figurines, the most fanciest of resource components, of all these kinds of things, special board that's, you know, that has the hollow foil whatever on it, you know, and that's the only version uh, that's available and it's worth $80 for a game that could have been made for 40 bucks, I'm, maybe you should reconsider. Yeah, but if, if you've got a game that's running alongside the Deluxe Edition... I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm perfectly happy with that. So how do you feel about deluxe editions containing, like, some, you know, frivolous booster cards? For example, Terraforming Mars, uh, some of the special editions that have released, or they've had special promos that, were, that include, include the promo cards. If it's just a few cards, it's not that doesn't bother me, but I do know it would bother, like, completionists. I have sought out, like, booster packs of cards for Everdell. That were included in the original complete edition of Everdell, but I play with them far less than I realize, so it's not a it's not a huge deal. I've been getting more more deluxe editions lately, just because Ellen really loves really loves components, and it it increases her enjoyment of games, and it increases mine too. I shouldn't say it's like uh, Ellen's making me shell out for the deluxe edition. No, I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever your resource components are nice, uh, non-flat cardboard pieces that you pick up or, or whatever, like the deluxe component resource components for uh, Everdell, are very, very nice. It just feels good to sling those around. I think those are most of those are from the base game. You stand corrected. <laughs> the, those those are, are those are just really quality good. components. <laughs> All right, Everdell, you just have quality components. I feel like deluxe components, but I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the uh, deluxe edition of Canvas by uh, Road to Infamy Games, and it's uh, it's an art game where you're stacking these clear cards, these translucent cards, on top of each other, and they all have bits of artwork on them, and once you stack them together, you've created your painting. And one of the components that came with the deluxe edition is a little tiny little easel for you to prop your art up on to display it to the table. It has nothing to do with the gameplay. It barely functions properly, but it's really funny. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> it's I want it.
that stillness in our hearts means it's time for another board gaming missed connection. But this time, that missed connection has a little bit of a twist. Uh, when I was moving in January, I decided I was going to get rid of some of the board games in my collection. I really wanted to get it down to size, get it in order, and get rid of the board games that I, I wasn't really playing. Because board games are meant to be played. They're not meant to sit on a shelf and collect dust. So I put my, uh, I put my games up for auction on BoardGameGeek. I put them up on Craigslist. I was really trying to, trying to pass them on to anybody who would want them. And somebody contacted me on Craigslist, and we met up. He bought, I think, two or three of my games. And we started talking. We had, we had very similar tastes in games. So we were chatting for 20, 30 minutes, longer than your normal Craigslist interaction happens. But uh, I passed him, passed him on those games, and I thought, man, that would have been a really, really nice friend that I could have made right there. Well, I was going through a second culling of games, and I still had his number, and I vaguely remember him mentioning one of the games that I was selling. So I texted him to see if he was interested in buying that game. He said, no, no thank you. But I'm having a board game meetup. Would you like to join? So tomorrow, I'm going to the board game meetup with this Craigslist stranger. And I'll let you know if this, this board gaming misconnection is not a misconnection after all. Very nice. <laughs> I'll also let you know if I get murdered or not. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. You hope I get murdered? No, I hope you let me know. Oh. <laughs> I hope you die, all right? <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> brother! <laughs> Scott, brother. Shout out to Lion King. Shout out to Lion King. Establishing our uh, brother dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> so I, as the host, as the main host, and Mufasa, and you as the co-host who wants to be host of Scar... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to dip into that mailbag because it's mail time. And this week, the question from our listeners is, which games have you played that ended up being the biggest disappointment? So not necessarily a bad game, but a game that you were really looking forward to and it just didn't pan out the way that you had expected it. That's easy. Uh, Wingspan from Stonemaier Games. And not because it was a bad game, but just because I expected more of it. I sold the I sold the game to my friend and we still play it. It's just the fact that it was one of those games that was really hard to get. There was a lot of news going around about the scarcity. I was one of the few people who was able to pre-order it through my local uh, board gaming store, you know, I was, uh, you know, the guy, whenever I went, was telling me, oh, hey, it should be here in a month, it should be here in a couple weeks, it should be here next week. Finally getting the board game after all this scarcity, playing it once, I was like, oh, yeah, that was fine. That was, that was good. That was just... <laughs> and this is literally all my fault. It's not a bad game. It's just I set unrealistic expectations from all this news and hype and all that kind of stuff. And I enjoyed it, And uh, but I immediately realized that it's not something I wanted in my collection, but I would, wouldn't would mind playing, so uh, I had a friend who uh, wanted it more, and I happily sold it to them, and uh, no problem for me. The biggest disappointment for me was probably 
the game Seventh Continent by Serious Pulp Games. It's a French company. I backed it on Kickstarter from the like the original the original Kickstarter. I got I got in on that, and it was delayed probably a year and a half from the expected deliver date. So it was two or three years that I waited around for this game, like the anticipation just building, reading the stories, how it's how it looks so cool, where it's this giant map game that you're exploring. It's got hundreds of cards that come in the box that you're laying out and you're exploring, creating this giant map. And it was it was fine. It was an open world game that I just don't care too much for open world i need a little bit more direction that's why i like board games they've got they've got rules that bound you to direct your gameplay a little bit but there's nothing here to direct you so i felt like i was just aimlessly wandering around this continent island and really the nail in the coffin was the main mechanic of the game was every time you perform an action it was okay you can pull any number of cards you want off the top of the deck you need this many successes it was just a push your luck mechanic over and over and over and over, and I was like, "This this game just isn't for me." I waited what years like? for it. Uh, you love push your luck mechanics, right? I hate push your luck mechanics. They break my brain and they make me so angry. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because both the games that we named have the same score on BGG of eight point one. Yeah, they're 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 well regarded great games. Uh, critically, you know, people enjoy these games. People, the games that we listed, people enjoy them. They're both in the top 100. I think they might both be in the top 20 on Board Game Geek. They're just Seventh Continent is just not for me. Now I disagree with uh, Wingspan. I, I love Wingspan. Speaking of deluxe components, uh, we got 3D printed little birdhouses to replace the action cubes. Adorable. Very nice. I had my friend Aaron print them out. I said, Aaron, can you print them out in the player colors? Like, well, you're going to get the colors that I have. What do you need? I was like, my purple, yellow, blue, green, and red. He's like, I have all those colors. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> yes, I have primary colors. <laughs> we have now come to the end of another podcast. And it's a sad end. But, excitingly, those two other brothers who are not as good as us the brothers murph they have finally acknowledged our existence and we <laughs> shall be kicking their butt at a game because we backed their kickstarter we gave them money <laughs> <laughs> they had a tier level that said oh pledge this amount we'll play a game with you and i went you're damn right you will i mean you're darn right you will <laughs> we paid the brothers murph Show them how much of a loser they're going to be in compared to us. You know what? Money well spent. <laughs> Money well spent. So keep tuned, listeners. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. Nobody's used it yet. You could be the first. We also have a Discord, which is in the description below this podcast. You can join us and share memes about board gamers. Talk about what you're currently playing, and don't spoil those legacy games that you're working on. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.